this is God's word. Not Pastor Ebbett's word. I am who it says I am. And I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word because it's always a lamp unto our feet. It's always a light unto our path. I step back so the Spirit of God can minister to your people your word. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for taking the words that are coming out of my mouth and infusing them into the hearts of those who are watching. And I thank you, Father, that there will be no interruptions. There will be, Father, no problems. That, Father, this word will go through the Internet, into their device, into their homes, and into their hearts. And, Lord, I declare in Jesus' name that signs, miracles, and wonders are going to follow our lives as a result of hearing this word and applying this word in Jesus' name. And, Lord, I thank you that throughout this week, as we go back and listen to this word, you said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We declare freedom for everyone who's watching in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, everybody say amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. God bless you this morning. Well, we're in a series entitled Facing the Giants. And uh, the first lesson that we did two weeks ago was entitled Goliath Has to Go. And in that, that particular lesson, I gave you three principles on how to overcome Goliath. If you haven't watched that, I want to encourage you to go back and do that. And then uh, the second lesson that I did on last week was entitled Facing the Giant of Uncertainty. And what a message that ties in to what's going on in our country and pretty much in our lives. And so you want to go back and watch that if you haven't. And so if you're taking notes today, our lesson title is Facing the Giant of Rejection. Facing the Giant of Rejection. And we're going to go back to the story that we started this series out on, uh, which was on David and Goliath. And so we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 16. That's where we're going to start. And so what we're going to look at is one of the first examples uh, in David's life that's written, the example of rejection. And we're going to look through David's life and how he dealt with it, okay? Because it's very difficult to face Goliath if you're not really facing your fear of Goliath. And rejection is one of those things that impacts lots of people. And here's the thing. We got to get to a point where you and I face the giants that are in front of us. Now, let me give you the definition of rejection before I get started, okay? So, if you were to look this word rejection up in the dictionary, it means to refuse to accept something. To refuse to accept something or somebody. It means to refuse to accept something or to refuse to accept somebody, or it also means, watch this, to throw out something that's unsatisfactory. 
to throw out something that's unsatisfactory. And the reason we must face the giant of rejection is because we always, if we always reject ourselves, we would never accept ourselves. I'm going to say that again. The reason why we have to face this giant of rejection is because if we reject ourselves, we will never accept ourselves. And if we don't accept ourselves, it's going to be difficult, watch this now, to receive the promises that God has made us because we won't believe the promise because we don't believe in us. Now, we're going to read out of the New Living Translation. Here's the thing. We're going to read the story, and then I'm going to talk to you about how to overcome this giant called rejection. So, so this is 1 Samuel chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 1 out of the New Living Translation. This is what it says. Now, the Lord said to Samuel. Now, Samuel was the prophet at the time. He says, you have mourned long enough for Saul. Listen to what God said. I have rejected him as king of Israel. Now I want you to pay attention that God did not reject him as a person. God rejected him in the position that he had. That's very important. He says, so I want you to fill your flask with olive oil and I want you to go to Bethlehem. I want you to find a man named Jesse who lives there. For I have selected one of his sons to be my king. Verse 2. But Samuel asked, well, how can I do that, Lord? Why? He says, because if Saul hears about it, he's going to kill me. He says, this is what God told him to do. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you've come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which one of his sons that I want you to anoint for me. Verse 4 says, So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town or the city came trembling to meet him because they didn't know in those days if the prophet was coming to town with some bad news. And so they said, What's wrong? They asked. Do you come in peace? Verse 5 says, Yes, Samuel replied. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Watch what he says. He tells them, purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons. And watch what happened. He invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointing. Watch verse 7. This is very powerful. But the Lord said to him, Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or his height. For I have rejected him. Wow. Now notice, God again is rejecting him from being king because the reason Samuel was there was to, was to anoint him as king or anoint someone. So then it says, the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Amenadad, he says, step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one that the Lord has chosen. And then it says in verse 9, next Jesse, he summoned Shema. And then Samuel said, this is not him. And then they went all the way through all seven of the sons. And then it says, Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Verse 11 says, then Samuel asked, are there any more sons that you have? Wow. 
That means someone was not invited. Someone was rejected from being at this, at this event. Watch what happened. He says, yeah, I still have a younger son, but he's out there in the field watching the sheep and the goats. He says, send him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. Verse 12 says, so Jesse sent for him. And listen to watch the description of, of, of uh, David. It says, he was dark and he was handsome. Boy, that sounds like Pastor Evan, don't it? Oh my God, that must have been my cousin. He was dark and he was handsome and with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of oil that he had brought and he anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And then Samuel returned to Ramah. Now, this was the first time we can see rejection taking place in David's life. And uh, I, I want to show you something because, see, David, whether he did it on purpose or not, there are some principles that David used to overcome rejection in his life. And I think uh, we can agree that him not being invited to this important ceremony was rejection. And if you notice, David was very young in this, when this scenario took place. He was probably a teenager. And here's the thing. Many people experience rejection so early in life that they don't have the proper mechanisms or defense mechanisms in place to overcome it. And if you notice, this happened when he was a teenager. And a lot of times, the rejections that we've experienced, we were so young, we did not know how to handle them. And so what I'm going to do now is to kind of give you three primary ways that rejection happens, okay? Here's the first way that rejection can happen, and that is in the womb. In other words, while someone is pregnant, rejection can happen. This is when a child is rejected before they were even born. This can happen during the conception or even the growth stage of a, of a baby. You say, well, Pastor, why would somebody reject a baby before the baby was born? Well, why do you think we have so many abortions in this country? It's because that baby wasn't wanted. And a lot of times what happens, uh, especially back in the days, in the old days, you know, they didn't have abortions, which, by the way, may be legal in the earth realm, but is not legal in the kingdom. Let me just put that out there. But let me just say this. What would happen is someone would get pregnant, and if they did not get pregnant on purpose, they would say, man, I wish I had, had, got, had not have gotten pregnant. And what happens is that spirit of rejection that is on that person ends up being transferred to the baby because babies do have feelings. Now, let's look at the second reason why or ways in which rejection takes place, and that is in or through relationships. And this is when rejection takes place within a relationship, whether that relationship is a family relationship, a marital relationship, a personal relationship, or even a professional relationship. In other words, rejection often comes through relationships we may have. And the bad part about this one is rejection can be happening and someone can be rejecting us, but depending on the status of the relationship, we may not even feel like we have the right to say something to the person. 
Okay. So here we go. We have rejection in the womb. We have rejection in relationships. Here's number three. And we can experience uh, rejection in life experiences. Now, this is when something happens to us or, watch this, for us, and we're rejected because of it. I'm going to say that again and I'm going to explain. Life experience rejection is when something happens to us or something happens for us and we're rejected for it. Give me an example, Pastor Evan. Well, you got promoted on your job. And now all your friends that y'all used to go to lunch together, happy hour together, uh, now it's sad hour because nobody wants to be around you. Why? Because they have rejected you from the group because you got elevated and they didn't. Amen. You could have grown up with a handicap, whatever that may have been. And you know, kids can be very, very uh, uh, negative and, and really just evil sometimes with how they handle people with handicaps. And so you may have been teased because of a handicap. Or, listen, you may have been like I did growing up. You know, I was, I'm smart now, but I was smart as a kid. I mean, I was real smart. And so one of the names that they gave me growing up as a kid was Poindexter. Now, you may not remember this, but it was a cartoon way back in the day, and there was a man on there called Poindexter. I think he was a scientist, and so he was real, real smart. Now, see, in that case, they called me Poindexter. I didn't care because all they were saying is I was smarter than them. Amen. You could have experienced... Uh, rejection through name calling. You know, somebody called you fat, somebody called you skinny, whatever the case may be. So, early rejection, watch this now, causes a person to view life through the filter of that negative experience, watch this, instead of isolating that situation as a one-time event. I'm going to say this again. See, this is what happens when people experience rejection at a young age and they never come out of it. Why? Because typically early rejection causes a person to view life through the filter of that negative experience, whatever it was, instead of, uh, watch this, isolating that situation as a one-time event. And, And you know what? The enemy wants you and I to translate, watch this, an event into an experience. He wants us to translate an event into an experience. You say, well, Pastor, what do you mean? He wants us to take that one-time situation and he wants it to affect us or impact us for the rest of our life. In other words, something happened one time, but he wants that one event to be translated into an experience. Amen. So now how, how we live life through that lens that I'm talking about or that painful experience, whatever it is, how we live life is what impacts us. And if we do not overcome rejection, I need you to listen to me today because there's some people watching me and you don't realize that the, the rejection from your past has, watch this now, tainted your mindset to such a degree, that's why you can't even pick the right kind of person to date because your experience in dating has been now tainted by a negative dating experience. So we have to overcome rejection. Why? So that we can make right choices and protect ourselves from future hurts. Amen. Now here's the sad thing, and I'm going to read it just like I wrote it because there are some people watching me today that today is your last day walking in the spirit of rejection. Today's your last day. We're going to evict 
rejection in Jesus' name. If we do not overcome rejection, we make choices to protect our hurts or make excuses for our negative actions because we have accepted rejection as our normal emotional state. You are literally protecting that negative attitude that you have because that negative attitude has come out of a negative experience and you have now made that event an experience. So now when you are negative, you know, it's like, well, that's just me. No, that's not really who you're supposed to be. And David was no stranger to rejection. Now, I'm going to read now new, the New Living Translation. Let's go back to 1 Samuel 17. I'm going to read verse uh, 17 through 18, maybe 19. Because the first time we see that he got, it, he got uh, rejected was when, you know, it was time for somebody to be anointed as king. You know, I'm wondering if he even wondered why he was not invited. And I'm wondering if he even knew what was going on. Because, you know, Samuel just showed up. It's not like they had email and Samuel was able to email Jesse and say, hey, hey, on tomorrow, Jesse, can you have all your sons to show up at this event? No, it's not like they had text messages and cell phones to alert them ahead of time. No, Samuel showed up on that day. So when he showed up with Jesse and his sons, David was still out in the field. So can you imagine he just walking into a room trying to figure out what's happening? Well, what really happened was he was rejected from being invited. So watch now. I'm reading in verse 17. It says, one day Jesse said to David, this is another situation of rejection. He said to David, take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread. I want you to carry them quickly to your brothers. Give them 10 cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring a report back to me on how they're doing. Verse 19 says, David's brothers were with Saul. And the Israel, the Israelites and the Philistines who were fighting against each other. Verse, now I'm dropping down to verse 26. David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending the defiance of Israel? He was like, what's the prize? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? Watch verse 27. And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, the reward for killing this man. And they had told him that, you know, you, you get the king's daughter as your wife and your family gets exempt from taxes. And so he asked them and so they told him the same thing. Watch verse 28. But when David's older brother Eliab, which by the way was the one rejected, Heard David talking to the men. He got upset. He said, what are you doing around here anyway? What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? And I know about your pride and your deceit. You just want to see the battle. Watch, watch David's response because I'm going to show you in a principle. This is how you deal with rejection. He said, David said, I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others, asked the same thing again, and received the same answer. Verse 31 says this, then David's question was reported to the king. So here's point number one on how you and I deal with rejection, because this is how David dealt with it. Here it is. Rejection starts with perception. Rejection starts with perception. In other words... How we perceive what's happening will determine if we receive it as rejection or not. And I want you to watch how David dealt with this rejection from his brothers. Verse 39, he said, what have I done? 
He said, I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others, asked the same thing again. And, and I want you to notice now because this is how David dealt with it. David viewed rejection as their problem, not his. Oh, this is so good, church. Listen, David was at this battle. He was questioning Goliath and why was this guy doing this? And, and so finally he was like, look, what, what is this person going to get for fighting this giant? And they told him what it was. And when his brother saw him, they said, wait a minute, what are you doing? Why are you up here? Th that's just another term for haters these days. But I want you to see how David dealt with rejection. David viewed rejection as their problem, not his. In other words, rejection starts with our perception. Rejection can only work, watch this, when you and I choose to value the person's opinion over our own. I'm going to say that again. Rejection only works when you and I choose to value that person's opinion over our own. And if God's word is not the foundation for our identity, then you and I will never become who God says we can because we are too busy trying to disprove what somebody else's thoughts about us are. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed, watch this, for a lack of knowledge. So watch this, it's not the other person's negative opinion of me or that negative experience that happened to me that really makes the difference. That's not really what makes the difference. What makes the difference is my knowledge or of or my lack of knowledge about that that determines the difference. In other words, what I'm saying to you is someone else's opinion of me or someone else's opinion on what happened to me. It's not really what makes the difference in my life. What makes the difference in my life is my opinion of me and my view of the experience. Someone say amen to that. Amen. So David's relationship with God is the one thing that helped him see correctly what happened. In other words, he knew that the word of God was the remedy to a damaged soul. And so I, I just want to point out to you today, the word has to be the remedy. So here's a take-home statement that I want you to write down. Here's a take-home statement. Rejection starts with the soul and moves to the heart. Rejection starts with the soul and it moves to the heart. And see, this is why you and I, we must take the word and use it. I'm going to use a word here that, that may not be popular. We need to use the word to reprogram the way we're thinking. Amen. In order to change, watch this, we must rearrange. David knew that the secret to changing his soul, watch this, was the word. You have to remember, David the king wrote a lot of the Psalms. And in Psalm 19:7, this is what he wrote. And it's, it's directly related to how you deal with your soul. He says the law or the word of the Lord is perfect. And watch what it does. It converts the soul. Amen. It converts the soul. And then it says the testimony of the Lord is sure making wise and simple. Now the NASU version of that verse says this. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. In other words, God's word is designed 
to restore our soul. In fact, when you look up that word converting the soul that we read, it means to turn back or to return something to its original point or state. It also means to refresh. So when he's saying the word of the Lord is perfect, it converts the soul. What he's saying is God's word will take our souls back to its original state. It will refresh our souls and it will restore our soul. And that's why he used this same word, word restore or refresh in Psalm 23, which is what he wrote. He said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He, the Lord, makes me to lie down in green pastures. Watch this. He leads me beside still waters and he uses this word restore or convert again. In verse 3, he says, and he restores my soul. David knew the secret to a restored soul was the word. Someone say the word. Amen. The word. So our souls, listen, I'm going to say something now that you may not have ever thought about. Our souls were never meant to lead us. They were only designed to feed us. Oh, this is so good, church. I'm trying to help you today. Our souls were never designed to lead us. It was designed to feed us. See, that's why in, in, in Romans 12, 1, it says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, watch this, by the renewing of your mind. Your mind needs to be renewed. Why? Because your mind, the only way your mind is going to follow your spirit is your mind needs to think like your spirit does. And so our minds really were just designed to feed us and not lead us. Our thoughts should feed our souls. Watch this now. And then our souls should direct or feed our hearts. That's why whatever's in your heart, it came from there, your soul life. What is your soul? Your mind, your will, your thoughts, and how you feel. That's what your soul consists of. And we are a tripart being. We are a spirit. We've been made in the image of God. We have a soul, mind, will, thoughts, and how we feel. And we live in a body. And the word, everybody say the word. The word is the only thing. I need y'all to get this today. It's the only thing that can separate our souls from my, from my spirit. Listen, you don't need a life coach. You need to get in the word. You know, I, I'm not against coaches because I guess I could be viewed as a spiritual coach. But a lot of these coaches that people are trying to, 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 to uh, follow... These coaches didn't have success without you making them one. In other words, they don't really have a previous record of success. They, they're just trying to get to success on their way of you trying to help them get there. See, the Bible says follow those. If you want to know who a real coach ought to be in your life, I'm talking to somebody right now who's contemplating spending some money on a coach. The Lord is telling me to tell you, save your money. The scripture says, follow those, watch this, who through faith and patience have inherited the promise. In other words, you should be following somebody who stimulates your faith and they have used their faith to walk out the principles of God in their life and you can see the results in their life. Someone say amen to that. That was free. Amen. So our souls were not never meant to lead us, but to feed us. Now, I said that the word is the only thing that should that that has the capability 
of separating our soul and spirit. The Amplified Version of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says this, For the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and affected. It, the word, is sharper than any two-edged sword, and the word penetrates, watch this, to the dividing line between breath of life, soul, and immortal spirit. In other words, this is why you have to know God's word for who God's made you to be. Because your spirit man is supposed to lead you. Amen. So, let's look at one more scenario and then I'm going to close with some principles. Let's look at one more scenario where David experienced rejection. Because, see, some of you have allowed a one-time rejective experience or event to become now the story of your life. I want you to see that David experienced multiple opportunities for rejection. But he did not live a life being rejected. So now let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 30. And I'm going to start reading in verse 1. This is 1 Samuel 30 verse 1. It says, And it came to pass that when David... Let me just... Well, I'll read it and then give you the, the context. And David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day... And the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag and had smitten Ziglag and burned it with fire. So let me stop right here. What happened was David and his men lived in a city called Ziglag. I know that sounds like a crazy city name, but that was the name of the city, right? And uh, that's where they were living. That's where their families were. That's where all their possessions were. So David and his men had went out to a fight. So while they were gone, the Amalekites came and invaded this city called Ziglag. So now we pick up the story in verse 2. And they had taken the women captive and were therein, and they didn't slay anybody, neither great or small, but carried them away, and they went on their way. So now verse 3 says, So David and his men came back to the city. And behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were all taken captive. I want you to see David's response because he's about to experience some rejection. And there are some people this week, you experienced some rejection in your family. And you're wondering, Lord, what do I do? Well, watch what happened with David. Verse 4. Because see, rejection, the ones that hurt the most or can hurt the most are the ones that come from people that are the closest to us. Verse 4 says, Then David and the people that were with him, all these men that went to battle, they lifted up their voice and they cried until they had no more power to weep. Man, that's a lot of crying right there. I mean, I don't know when you was growing, when I was growing up. That's the kind of cry you got when you got a granddaddy whooping. See, you know, you had regular whoopings and then you had granddaddy whoopings. Well, a granddaddy whooping is when you had to take down your clothes and then you just got a, a straight out, flat out, you ain't got no clothes on whooping, right? Well, that's when you cry Well, you didn't have the power to weep no more. That's when you get those dry heave cries, <laughs> that kind of cry. These grown men were crying like that. Watch verse 5. And David's two wives were taken captive. He names the two wives. One of them was named Anaham, the Jezreelites. And then the second one was called Abigail, who was the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. 
And so David was greatly distressed. I guess I would be too. For the people, watch this now, spoke of stoning him. That's rejection. All these people who were just once on your side, now you experience rejection. They want to stone you. Here it is. They were following you and they could have died in the battle. And all of a sudden they went from supporting you in battle. Now they want to kill you. They spoke of stoning him because, watch this now, I want you to see this, because their souls were grieved. And that's where rejection is felt. It's in the soul realm. Let's see what happened. They were grieving for the loss of every man's sons and for his daughters. Watch what now, because see, it's David's relationship with God and it's David's knowledge of God's word that kept him from living a life of rejection. Watch what it says. But David... He encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Man, it was the word that brought encouragement to David. It was his relationship with God that brought him strength. Listen, he didn't get on Facebook and tell everybody his problems and ask them to pray for him. That ain't nothing wrong with doing that, but I'm just saying. Amen. David... The Bible says, encouraged himself in the Lord. So David encouraged himself in the Lord, which brings up now our second and our last point, And that is this. Here's point number two. The cure for being rejected is being accepted. I'm going to say that again. The cure. See, like right now, nobody wants to get this coronavirus because there is no known cure for it right now. I mean, if there was a vaccine that was already in place, you know, if there's some kind of solution you could take, some kind of medication, and if you took that, the coronavirus would go away in five days, we wouldn't have no social distancing. No, no, we wouldn't even care. Why? Because we could just go to the doctor because there's a known solution. Well, listen, the cure and the only cure for rejection is being accepted. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6, I'm closing right here. Ephesians 1 6 is one of my favorite verses. Uh, it talks about, uh, I guess I'll read verse 1 through 6. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints that are at Ephesus, and I'm talking to the saints that are in Arlington, Dallas, the Fort Worth uh, DFW Metroplex, and to the faithful in Jesus Christ. He says, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Notice it says, has blessed us. That's past tense. That means we already got it. He's blessed us with not some, but all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Watch verse 4. According as He, God, Christ, has chosen us, watch this, this is important, in Him before the foundation of the world. I'm going to point that out in just a minute. And here's why, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Verse 5. Having predestinated us to be the adoption of children by Jesus Christ Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. Here's verse 6. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He, God, has made us accepted in the Beloved. My acceptance came from God. Listen, 
we were chosen, watch this now, before rejection could take place. See, all these people that are trying to reject you, they weren't around when God created you. The Bible says he predestinated us way before the world began. So listen, how can I, why should I let a earthly person reject me when a spiritual or eternal person already accepted me before they showed up on the scene? Boy, that's good stuff right there. We were chosen before rejection could take place. And see, that means now you don't have the power to reject me if you weren't the one who chose me. Oh, that's good stuff right there, church. Uh, listen, I just set somebody free right there. You don't have the power to reject me if you weren't the one who chose me. Remember I said that verse, it says in verse 4, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Someone say amen to that. Amen. So, I'm going to close with John 1.19. 1.19, John 1.19. I'm going to close it. Because now what I'm going to do is show you somebody who decided to take God's word and use it to not allow rejection to take place in their life. This was John the Baptist. And John was a different guy. He was different. The Bible says, you know, he was preaching in the wilderness. Uh, let me see what that could equate to here. Stop six. He was a stop, a stop six preacher. I mean, he was in the hood. He was in South Dallas, way down off in the deep. You know, uh, the, the way off in the deep, deep South Dallas, right? He was, that's the wilderness in this area. But, you know, back in those days, it was like wilderness. And the Bible says he ate uh, wild locusts and honey. So he was different. So it says in verse 19, and this is the record of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, they said, who are you? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed. He says, I am not the Christ. I like that because you know who you're not if you know who you are. Watch this. Verse 21 says, and they asked him, well, what then? Are you Elias? And he said, no. They said, are you that prophet? He said, no. See, what I like is, see, here's the thing. If you don't know who you are, People will have an idea of who they think you ought to be. Because they said, well, are you this? Are you Elias? Are you that prophet? Verse 22, and they said unto them, well, who are you that we may give an answer? What do you say about yourself? Verse 23. He said, watch what, watch his, his answer now. He says, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As said the prophet Isaiah, John the Baptist took his identity from the word. So it didn't matter who accepted or rejected him because, listen, they don't have the, the power to reject you if they weren't around when he chose you. So how do we apply this? How do we apply this? Here's number one, real quickly. Here's the, this is how we apply this word. Number one, you and I, we must change our acceptance criteria to God's criteria. We must change our acceptance criteria to God's criteria. See, some of you all don't accept yourself. You don't like you until you're at your exact weight. Well, let me tell you something. Your like of yourself is going to be up and down. You and I must accept ourselves for who God says we are, not for what people have said I am. Amen. And listen, freedom starts with being honest with you. 
Honesty is acknowledging you have a rejection problem. But walking in freedom is letting go of rejection by accepting who God says you are. So number one, we're going to change our acceptance criteria to God's. Here's number two. You and I must renew our thinking. Watch this. By confessing who God says we are. He said, well, pastor, why are you talking about this confession thing? And it changes my thinking easily. See, God has trained us. You can't have two thoughts at one time. If you do, you might have some problems. I don't know if you have seen the, 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 the sitcom In Living Color. There was this one guy who just couldn't even, you know, he would be like, Michael Jackson, he flies. Then he turned, you know, just talk crazy. Well, you really can't have two thoughts at one time, and God knows that. So the best way to control a negative thought is to open up your mouth and speak the word, because your mind has to stop. So Romans 14, 4, 17 says this, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations before him whom God believed, even God, watch this, who quickens the dead, and God calls those things which be not as though they were. God calls those things which be not as though they were. So watch this now. I'm going to show you how to renew your mind. When God calls something that is not what he wants it, it then becomes what he called it. I'm going to say it again and break it down for you. When God calls something, when he calls something, you say he calls those things that be not as though they were. When God calls something, something, listen, if it's not what he wants when he calls it that, the moment he calls it that, it becomes what he wants. Because when God speaks, it's got to happen. So if God showed up on a Saturday, if Jesus, let's say, let's say Jesus shows up on a, on a Saturday and uh, he met me and he said, hey, Evan, it's a great Monday, isn't it? And I'd be like, Jesus, it's not Monday. Let me show you my calendar. And you know my calendar ain't going to say Sunday and Saturday no more. It's going to say Monday. You know why it's going to say Monday? Because Jesus has what he says. So when you and I call those things that be not as though they were, when we start saying who God says we are, then the power of that word comes to pass in our life and we will be just like God. When God calls something that is, that is not what he wants it to be, the moment he speaks it from his mouth, it's going to be that. When, when you and I say that we are accepted in the beloved, that's exactly what's going to happen. And so there are some people here today you have been buddy-buddy with rejection too long. It's time to let it go. There are some people watching me. You have made this rejection event, you have made it out of an experience. And that's why you can't let it go. And now every decision you make, every emotion you have, it's all being filtered through that experience when it really never should have made uh, become an experience. You should have just logged that as an event and moved on with your life. Well, how do I do it? You got to let go. And so I want to pray. There are some people here. The, the Holy Spirit, while I was teaching you, have brought up some things and there are some rejections that have taken place in your life that you need to let go of. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that the word has fallen on good ground. And because it has, it is going to produce much fruit. And there are those who are watching me, Father, who have been walking in the spirit of rejection. They've had difficult time in relationships and making healthy choices in life because they're filtering all of that through that negative experience. And so we cancel that assignment of rejection on their life. Spirit of rejection, you cannot stay in that house no more. You cannot stay in that person's life no more because they have chosen to evict you today.
And Father, I declare in the mighty name of Jesus that is greater than every name, that that name of Jesus is greater than rejection. And because you have accepted us in the beloved, who is anybody else to do any, any, anything otherwise? And so, Father, we receive now the word and we thank you and believe and will confess that we've been chosen by God and we are who he says we are in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. With every head bowed still right there at your home, right there. Those of you who are watching that are